Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for praying with us this morning for uh, the tragedy there in um, Turkey and Syria. Um, and yeah, we just want to reiterate that 100% of the proceeds um, and gifts that go uh, to our global partner there um, will be distributed um, to, to the relief effort that's happening um, in those spaces. Uh, we're going to continue our uh, sermon series that we started a, a few weeks ago called Rhythms of Discipleship. Um, we'll bring the, if these six rhythms can be uh, brought up on, on the screen. Um, what we are, are hoping to be pursuing as, as a body of believers are these six movements that we see embodied by Jesus through the, uh, throughout the gospel accounts. That as you read over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that that there are reoccurring lessons and, and, and ways that Jesus is teaching his people. And we are, are believing that these are the, this is the work of formation that God is doing amongst us. So through uh, conversations with y'all and uh, listening parties, conversations with pastoral team, conversations with mentors and coaches, and, um, we, and, and through prayer, we really felt like these are the ways in which which God is doing a work amongst us. Um, I'll fly through these, and then this morning we're going to be reflecting on relentless welcome. Um, and by the way, we, we've, we've used the word rhythms of discipleship, um, and I want to make a distinction that these aren't practices of discipleship. And, and the distinction that I want to make there is that these are ways that we see embodied in Jesus, but they aren't... Um, for example, when we talk about with Jesus, we aren't saying uh, the practices of Bible reading and prayer and silence and solitude. What we find is that uh, we want to grow in these ways, and a lot of times because of personalities, seasons of life, um, through what we just connect with, uh, through the relationships that God has given to us, that... Uh, how we pursue these ways of Jesus, a lot of times we'll have variety and, and we'll have exploration to them and so ways that we will uh, discover even together as we live these ways out. Uh, the first one is with Jesus. We see um, constantly highlighted by Jesus that he longs to abide with us. He longs to be with us. And simply put, that we just hope that what he's forming within us is a desire to delight in his presence not as a means to an end, not to receive from him because he's this vending machine in the sky, but no, because he just desires to be with us. And may there be a hunger and an appetite just to simply be in the presence of Jesus. We see highlighted by Jesus um, that he hopes to form within us and the work of the Spirit is to form within us new hearts and new desires. That there would be a below the surface change that would be happening within our lives. We aren't just about, or we are not, we are not pursuing just behavior modification. Go out and be a good Christian. No, what we're hoping is taking place is that the Lord is forming our hearts. Um, life together. You see demonstrated by just the people that Jesus calls to himself that it is this wide, diverse group of people, and they are learning what it is as a new people, to have life together. We'll get more and more into relentless welcome, but the, the distinction there is that this is how, how are we loving not those that are our people, 
not just the church. Yes, there is a wide diversity amongst the body of believers and we learn what it is to have life together, but we also seek to be a, a relentless welcome, to have a relentless welcome to the world around us. Um, particularly within the Gospel of Luke, you see that Jesus is described as empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so when we talk about naturally supernatural, what we're reflecting on there is that the Holy Spirit is seeking to empower us in even just the most mundane, everyday moments of our lives. That the Holy Spirit is, is giving us power and ability and strength uh, to, to be a people that, that, that live differently in the world around us. And in missional living, we reflect on the fact that God is on this mission. Not merely to bring people to heaven, but to bring heaven to people. That what he is seeking and what he teaches us to pray is that his kingdom would come and his will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And what we desire to be is a people that are joining God in the mission that he is, um, that he is up to in the world around us. He, and, and what we discover is that God really seems to not enjoy doing things on his own. But anytime that, that he does some, something, it's like he just wants to partner with people until we join him in the mission that God is up to. Let's talk about relentless welcome. Why these words, relentless welcome? We desire to be a people who demonstrate to others we would not normally relate to that we are glad to be with them. And what we recognize is that is not a normal human movement. We, we tend to gravitate toward people that it's just easier to get along with. And um, what, we, what we recognize that it takes a lot of initiative and ongoing effort to show hospitality, joy, warmth, delight, welcome, to people that not, are not our people. And Jesus' instruction to the church is this, that we would go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when you reflect on that, what you find is that, that Jesus is stretching the church outside of her comfort that what that description is, is actually an expanding circle of the people of God pursuing those that they had prejudice for. And so this relentless welcome is this, this, this command, this instruction, this heartbeat of God given to his people that we would constantly see a broadening circle of those that we show love and welcome to. I want to take us. I want to take us to think about the story of the Good Samaritan. And as I'm sitting here and reading through this story about the Good Samaritan and writing out 
literally putting paper or pen to paper about the relentless pursuit of God, about his profound, mind-blowing mercy and love that he demonstrates to us. As I am writing that down, suddenly there's this odor that fills the, the porch that I'm sitting on outside of Starbucks. And I don't look up, and I'm working on the sermon, and that smell is still there, and I look up, and there is a homeless woman that's standing there. And she has one shoe on, one shoe and just one sock. And she's standing there, and you can see the, the response that's happening there outside of Starbucks. And, and there's people that are kind of moving around and shifting where they're sitting down. And church, I was determined to keep on writing the sermon. I, I was determined to just to sit there and stay focused about, man, isn't God so good? Just don't, man, he, he just loves us so much. And the way that he just goes out of his way to show us mercy and the way that he notices us in our times of need. Like, I am so determined just to keep on writing that. And I don't know about you, but sometimes you have those moments where it's like your chest just has a little bit of like an anxiousness that starts visiting your heart. And you just know that in that moment, God, you're, you're speaking to me, aren't you? <laughs> and, and then that, that little bit of nervousness is that, that's in your heart is, I'm about to be uncomfortable, aren't I? <laughs> and, and church, I wanted to ignore that moment. But God, God got the best of me. And and it was a sweet moment to be able to stop and put stuff away in my backpack and, and go walk over to the woman and just say, hey, oh, there's a store right across the street. Can I, can I buy you a pair of shoes? And she was, man, she put her foot next to my foot so we could try to figure out what size shoe she wore. And we're just like, just guessing. She's like, I, I, it's like a six or a seven. And I'm like, yeah, that seems about right. Like, just, just sitting there in that moment and interacting with her, it was, it was such a great space to be in. But I was just sitting there, too, thinking, like, oh, what time is it? I'm, like, I'm running out of time. I need to get this done. I, I don't want to be here in this space. And I've got... I, didn't, I got dropped off by Marissa and the boys before they were going to go out and, and hang out with one another. And I knew that I'd be getting picked up soon. And it was just like, I don't have time for this. But I, but I went across the street and, and I was able to get her a pair of shoes. And, and, and we, I come back to her and she said, she said this. She had this prized feather. And, and she said, when you were walking away, she goes, I put the feather on your shoulder. And she just like, like it was her action of blessing me. And, and you just sit there and just think like, man, 
the Lord's ability to just remind us He's at, he's at work loving you, showing his, his mercy, showing his compassion. He's, he notices people. Listen, it's a place of delight to join his men. It, it, it is. It is a place of, of profound joy to be able to join him in this movement of him showing that just relentless welcome to humanity. And we're busy. We are. We're, we're busy. And there are a lot of things that we're up to that are good. There are things that we're engaged in that, that are that are and it's just like you, you, you've been in spaces where you have served others where you have blessed others where the Holy Spirit has prompted your heart to show welcome and love and compassion to the people around you and you have experienced that profound joy that connects with Jesus where he says, listen, it is better to give than to receive. And may this morning just be a reminder to us, there is profound joy in joining Jesus in the way that he loves humanity, in the way that he delights in people. Let's read it in in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25, I'll read through verse 37. It says this. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Jesus, I mean, excuse me, the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus said to him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. 
If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man, the expert in religious law, replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and be the same. Friends, there is something absolutely critical that's being told to us here in the story about the characteristic of God's heart in our relationship with him. Jesus tells the story of a man acting with incredible, mind-blowing mercy. Then tells, then concludes the story by saying, go and do likewise. But Jesus tells this story because he's interacting with what maybe some translations that you have in front of you, he's interacting with what's described as a lawyer. And the reason that this person is described this way is because this person is an expert in religious law. This is a person that knows God's commandments inside and out. He, he, and so what he's doing here, and you see the way that Luke starts off this story by saying that a man came to Jesus and he was testing Jesus. And so this question that, that this man is asking of, of hey, how, how do we inherit eternal life? What this man is trying to come to terms with, or what he's trying to discover, is, is he's asking in a snobbish, nose-up-in-the-air, I-know-better-than-you kind of an attitude. He's asking Jesus, how do you read the law of Moses? He's, he's, he's trying to show that he knows better than Jesus does. And this poor soul, he doesn't realize that he's having the question and answer time with the author of the book. <laughs> And so, so he's, he's testing Jesus. He's trying to figure out, like, how do you read this? How, how do you interpret who our neighbor is supposed to be? And the common understanding at the time is that those that we would consider our neighbor would be our kinsmen, would be the fellow people of God, and maybe the sojourners that are living in our land. Right? That would be who our neighbor is. And so this, this man is, is testing Jesus and trying to figure out, like, how do you read the law? And so Jesus, with that context in mind, Jesus tells a story. And the story that Jesus tells us gives us insight into how Jesus reads the Bible. Right here in this moment, we get to discover, Jesus, how do you read the law of Moses. How do you interpret things? What is, what is going on in your own mind and heart and soul as, as you're reading through the pages of God's commands? Profound insight here in this moment. Profound insight here in this moment. Because the man is asking, okay, what do, what do, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response is to tell a story. This is what has been done. The man is asking the question, who do I need to love? And Jesus tells a story. This is how you have been loved. This is the way that you have been loved. Friends, Jesus is the good Samaritan. 
And, and, and he's telling us a story about the way that he has visited us while we were unconscious to it, while we were his enemies. He moved toward us. He bound us with his own effort and through his own payment, he brought healing to us. That's what this story is about. Do you realize the profound mercy that God has shown you? Do you realize the compassion that he has for you? Do you realize how much he enjoys you and delights in you? Now go and do likewise. But think about it this way, right? Because this, this is an expert in religious law. He's trying to figure out, Jesus, how do you read through the pages of Scripture? Can I read to you the beginning of the Ten Commandments? It will come up on the screen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. That's how the commandments go. That's how the commandments go. It is a story of God showing profound compassion and mercy. I, I, I brought you out of Egypt and out of slavery. Therefore, have no other gods. I brought you out of Egypt and out of a place of slavery. Therefore, don't murder. I brought you out of the land of Egypt, and I brought you out of slavery. Therefore, do not covet your neighbor's possessions. If you get rid of this intro, man, you, you lose, you lose the heartbeat of God. It is a story of him showing us incredible, unearned compassion and mercy. It is a story of God moving toward us. It is a story of God constantly making his way toward us. Here's the point of all of this. The radical, relentless love of God has pursued us. And we are to be wowed. We are to be amazed. We are to be left speechless by the mercy of God. And, and that experience and understanding of his mercy is meant to be so profound to us that it completely changes us. We swim in the mercy of God, and it becomes the defining way that we view the world. We're to be left dumbfounded, astounded, stupefied that God considers us his neighbor. We're going to be left flabbergasted. We're going to be left confused. We're going to be left in a place and just like, God, will you consider us your neighbor? Like, you like me? You enjoy me? You delight in me? Like, you, you move toward me. Can we pull up verse 33 and 34 up on the screen? 
a despised Samaritan came along. And by the way, side note, we believe that the story that Jesus tells is comparing himself with the despised Samaritan. Absolutely profound. It, it would have just blown people's minds that he decides that the person that I'm going to relate to in this moment is a despised Samaritan. Let me tell you what I'm like. I'm like a despised Samaritan that sees you and moves towards you, right? And he comes along and he saw the man, he felt compassion for him, and he goes over to him. Jesus considers us his neighbor and he's moving towards us. Even when we have considered God as enemy and we are completely unconscious to it, he has been good to us. And I like to think, because of Jesus' statement, go and do likewise, that if we were to have a continuation of this story, it would be that that beat-up man one day wakes up and realizes that he has been the recipient of incredible mercy. And that beat-up man's life is forever changed. When he realizes how he has been treated by his enemy, it forever changes him. He can't be the same anymore. He's ruined for good. Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan to a people who would have considered a Samaritan enemy. And it, along the way, what Jesus is doing is teaching us this rhythm to have this heartbeat. The welcome that God has shown to you is meant to be the way that you welcome others. Not just your people, not just people that are like you, or people that believe like we believe. But God considered us his neighbor. That's, that's the answer to this man's question. The, the, religious, the expert in religious law is asking, hey, who's my neighbor? And Jesus' response is to say, let me tell you who my neighbor is. Let me tell you a story about who I consider to be me. Let me tell you a story about who I consider. Jesus demonstrates, where I do go to demonstrates relentless welcome. And it got him killed. It disrupted status quo. It, dis it disrupted the ways of the world. People were offended and confused by the people that Jesus sat with and considered friend. You think about it, that, that, that there are all these questions that he's constantly getting asked, like, why are you with them? Why are you being friend to tax collector and Samaritan and, and prostitute and sinner? Why are you sitting with them? And Jesus' response 
when he's asked these types of questions, why are you having a meal with sinners, is essentially to ask back to them. Do you think you deserve to be my friend or just a good Do do you think that somehow you deserve to be friend and not them? And 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 the question is is this beautiful invitation by Jesus where we would read through the pages of the gospel accounts and we would ask ourselves this question. Which group am I in? Am am I the the expert in religious law that's offended by who Jesus is hanging out with? Or am I the tax collector, the prostitute, the Samaritan? That's completely dumbfounded with Jesus and sinners. And when, when we determine what our answer is, it's going to profoundly impact how we live. It's going to change how we live. Because if I'm in this camp over here, and I'm left speechless with how God has loved me, and how he has welcomed me, then how do I not love the people around me? How do I not show welcome to the offensive and the awkward around me? We could could be asking Jesus, like, why are you friends of them? Or we could be asking, why are you my friend? Why are you here with me? Friends, our common story is that God considers us to And we are to then, in turn, go and be the same. It first starts with understanding that we are a recipient of God's mercy, and that changes us, and that's what empowers us to be a people who show relentless love to the people around us. And let's just get really practical, because here's what I've recognized in my own life, is that these are the things that often stop me from being relentless in my walk. I'm just not sure how to do it. Like, that's the thing that stops me. I don't... I don't know how to just show up and, and be friends to people that aren't like me. Like I'm, I'm, one, I'm just like, to start developing that pattern and that rhythm in my life is difficult. Like it's a difficult thing. You just all of a sudden start, like I'm gonna go start being friends with people that I have nothing in common with. And like, I don't know how to start that. And the other side of it is too, is that I don't wanna be awkward or offensive. I don't want to step into a space and just start hanging out with people that aren't like me because I just know that there are certain cultural dynamics and conversation points that I'm not, I don't have any 
move? How do those play out? Just to show up and just be like, here I am. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's difficult when we stop in those spaces, but here's, here would just be, here would be my advice to us, and I, and I frame that by saying, here's what I'm, here's what I'm, here's what I'm, one, get to know Jesus and mature Christians. Because hopefully what's happening there in that space is that we're learning what it is to love. We're, we're learning his nature. We're learning to be with people who have experienced the goodness and mercy of God and has and it has transformed and changed them. And as we discover what it is to love one another, then hopefully the, that the impact that's happening is that that doesn't just stay contained to us and with us. We learn to love people around us. Here's, here's the other, there's a list of them, but another that I would say is just simply this. In, in the world that you live, navigate, people you interact with, be kind. Be kind. And in, in that, I would say, like, Smile, ask people's names, remember their names, show an interest in what people are talking about, ask follow-up questions in what they are talking about. I, one of the things that I'm just, I'm just learning from, from Larissa is that she has, she has a note, just a running note in her phone where she writes down people's names, she writes down life event kind of dates, like, hey, this is coming up in this person's life, or this happened at this date in this person's life. Um, this family is going to have this surgery at this point. This, this whatever is, is coming up, this doctor's appointment is going to be happening. And she takes genuine interest in, in those spaces in people's lives. She writes them down and follows up, like, hey, how'd this go? I was praying for this. I was thinking about you in this space. Have bandwidth in your schedule. You, you will be surprised how the Holy Spirit crafts opportunities for you to be just present in people's life when you have time. I know that's difficult, and for some of us in, in certain seasons of life, it is extremely difficult when we have really packed schedules. But, but like Dallas Willard reflects, is that we need to constantly have this effort of having a ruthless elimination of her in our lives. Because you, you, you will be floored what it's like. Let me just use an example. This is a family thing. What we're learning is after school pick up, there's a park that's right next door, and it's just like, hey, let's pick up our boys and not have ten things on our to-do list as a family, but just go hang out at home. Just a little bit of bandwidth in our schedule. Just like a, a, a ten-minute gap, a fifteen-minute gap in between things so that we can actually just be aware of the world around us. The other thing that I would say within that space is, is, is learn to constantly be putting away your phone. How, how do we fill our time, our little in-between times? 
in our world today. I'm not doing anything right now. There's five minutes until the bell rings and my kid's going to be out of school. I know what I'll do. I'll check Twitter. I'll check Instagram. And what would it look like just to keep that in your pocket and just sit there and be bored? As you're waiting in line at Fonts, embrace boredom. And embrace it. Love boredom. Because all of a sudden you'll realize that there's people around you. And in that space, you know that, that screens are a natural uh, killer of, of relational joy. If we just put those away, there's just something about the ways that our minds can keep on turning and, and, and be aware of the world around us. But listen, you can, you can have bandwidth in your schedule and, and you can put your phones away, but, but all of that will be for nothing if you are not interrupted. Again, you'll be surprised by the, the way that if, if you can cultivate this, just this habit, this, this conversational relationship with God, where you just saying, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to speak to me this today? That, that if you just have this regular prayer at the start of your day, that you just say, God, help me to be interruptible. Help me to be a person that is just in tune to, to, to the movement and speaking of your spirit that you'll be surprised by the way that he cultivates these opportunities for you to help, like, out of the blue, have a conversation with a coworker, to have a conversation with, with another parent who's picking up their child, to, to, to be walk, like, to be in a place where you're walking around a museum, and just like, suddenly there's just this random conversation that, that just gets started with someone standing there right there next to you. And this doesn't have a conversation with practices. This, 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 doesn't, this, this doesn't have to be like go out of the world and then just be this like, like all-powerful extrovert that's just going and starting conversations with the most random stranger in the world around you. This is for me, that's fine. Listen, but, but it could just look like listen to your phone. It could just look like Get to know one neighbor. Get to know their story. Get to know their name. Get to know their family's names. And just and remember those things and just simply follow up on those things. Be an incredible co-worker. Be good in the workplace. Be good in the workplace. Because listen, for some of us in the space, the most difficult place for you to show a relentless welcome might be with your really annoying or crass coworker who complains about everything. That may be the space of relentless welcome. And pray. Pray. Make a habit of walking around your neighborhood. Make a habit from walking from your door to your car door. And as you do, just pick one house on the morning that you just look at and you pray for your neighbor. Pick one home on Monday morning that you're going to be praying for. Pick one parent that you know. 
this annoyance snot out of you and pray for them. And pray for them. I came across this prayer by, um, his name is W. David O. Taylor. And he has this prayer that's entitled, A Prayer for a Neighbor Who is Behaving Like an Idiot. He's, he prays this. Oh Lord, you who commanded us to love our neighbors as ourselves, I confess to you an utter lack of desire to love my neighbor who is behaving like an idiot. As much as I am tempted to ask you to teach them a lesson and to put them in their place and to give them the what for, I ask rather for the seemingly impossible that you would perform a miracle in my heart but by the power of your Holy Spirit so that I might be freed from bitterness, hatred, and this oppressive feeling that I live ultimately in an unfair universe where neighbors get away with things that they shouldn't get away with and that God remains detached and uncaring. I pray this in the name of the one who loves my neighbor and me alike and who will do right by each of us in the end. And by the way, this is why there are rhythms of discipleship and we're trying to keep all of them in motion in our lives. Because if you were just to go right now in this space and just go try to have a lunch, welcome, you would fail miserably. But if you have this balance in your life where you are trying to, to just be present with Jesus, where you're learning what it is to have life together with other people, when you're learning what it is to be naturally supernatural, when you're, when you're learning what it is to, to be aware of the mission of God at work in the world around you, suddenly when it's all those things are at play and rhythm in our lives, it's like, yes, it makes sense that we would have more life as well. And we would actually have the power and the ability to have more life as well in the lives of people around us. One last simple piece of advice that I would give to you is this. Share your food. Share your food. Make too much lasagna. Make more brownie than you can eat. Smoke more tri-tip than is possible for your family to consume. And go knock on your neighbor's door. And say, we have extra. Would you like some? Jesus, I mean, the, the scriptures tell us that, that Jesus' missional approach was that the Son of Man came eating and drinking. That's how he did this. He showed up and he had meals with people. And maybe the simple takeaway for us this morning is this. Invite your neighbor over for dinner. And have a great conversation around the table. God is showing the throne of mercy and compassion for you. And can we bring the, screen, the, the slide before this up on the screen? Listen, listen, we don't love our neighbors to convert them. We've, we've quoted this before, but we love our neighbors because we are converted. God has profoundly changed our hearts. And he's teaching us what it is to love people that are not 
Father, you, you, the one who readily is moved at the core of his being to ask for the people of God. Would you give us that grace? As we interact with you, as we are with you, as, as we get to know you more and more, that I pray that what would happen, the transformation that would happen in our hearts is that, the, that there would be this widening circle of the people that we consider Would we, would we spend time with you and, and would your Holy Spirit do work in our lives where we would learn what it is to know your love? And that would move in us for the good. Instill in us a love for people. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, enjoy and enjoy to gather here with you this morning. If you would, I'd love to stand and I'd love to, to speak this blessing over you. Church, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Church, may you see the shining face of Jesus turn towards you this week. And when that radically transforms your heart, Pray for your name. It's good again, good to be gathered. We'll be hanging out.